You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. A couple months ago, I had uh, I had trouble with our car, and uh, I needed to take it in to the mechanic to have it worked on. And uh, you know, I try to do most things at my house myself, kind of like a lot of you guys, just DIY. You know, just fix it, do it, and. Half of it I enjoy, half of it I hate it and do it because I got to do it, you know. But my car, I kind of kind of draw the line there. I just don't want to become a car engine maintenance, you know, expert. And I'm just like, okay, I want to pay somebody else to take care of it. And so anyway, it's had some trouble. And I was then talking with our mechanic. They've taken care of vehicles so many years and just been good and have gotten to know them. And uh, trying to honestly just... just you know, be an influence in their lives and, and there in the shop. And as I was talking with the mechanic, the car was up on the lift and I don't usually see the underneath my car. I'm kind of looking around, you know, seeing what I could see. And I noticed on the hitch, I've got a, a hitch and I noticed a couple of long kind of brown and white things hanging out of the, the hitch. And I'm like, what is that? And as I got closer, I'm like, is that what I, it is. They were porcupine quills. And I'm thinking, how did those get in there? And I really started thinking, you know, kind of like crime, you know, investigation. I'm thinking, now wait a minute, my axle is down here and my hitch is up here. How come, how did I get quills up here? You know, what is going on? And my first thought was, which one in my family is not telling me something? Because I didn't hit a porcupine. And I'm like, how did somebody hit a porcupine and they clear the axle and, you know, manage to get quills up here? And as I was talking to the mechanic, I'm like, what is that? And he's like, huh. And we were both trying to figure out, like, how did you hit, how did somebody hit a porcupine here and quills up there? And he's like, I know what happened. I said, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, porcupine shot those quills right at the hitch. And I thought he was joking. Um, he was serious. I'm like, no. I'm like, they don't do. And he's like, yeah, I think that's the only way that could have happened. And I didn't correct him. You, you do know it's an urban legend. Porcupines have, like, big ones have, like, over 30,000 quills. That's a lot of ammo. But they don't shoot them. And it, they, they, don't, they don't have, like, a little ignition system, you know, that can just. I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would just be like fantastic. You know, no, they don't do that at all. So, so I realized that day that I need to trust my mechanic when it comes to my car, but I don't need to trust him with a whole bunch of other stuff in life, right? So life is kind of like that. There's, there's a lot of bad advice out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's, people think some of the craziest things just in general in life. And I mean, that one has been defunct for decades and decades. I don't even know who thought it to begin with. But anyway, we're going to talk this morning about why it's important that you and I listen to Jesus and Jesus alone. There is so much bad advice. Well, I read it on the internet. It must be true. Yeah. (laughs) It's still amazing how many of us fall for that one, you know. Well, so-and-so said, and all kinds of crazy things. Folks, this morning, as we read this passage, what John the Apostle, he's writing to us, is he wants us to realize why Jesus 
is the one that we should listen to. He's the one that we should listen to for our life. He's the only one that we ought to pay attention to. And if we're listening to other people in our life, we should only be listening to them in as much as they're telling us the stuff that Jesus told us. And we need to be very careful and very wise in the process. So read with me. It's a story that John the Apostle reminds us of, that Jesus was baptizing with his disciples. And some of John the Baptist, different John, I know we're tripping over John's in here, but John the Baptist's disciples who were following him like start looking like, well, Jesus' guys are baptizing, we're baptizing, and they're starting this comparison game, which is never wise. So read with me in John chapter 3, verse 22. The Bible says this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. We discover down in chapter 4, verse 1 or 2, that Jesus actually himself didn't baptize probably because he didn't want anybody saying, well, I got baptized by Jesus. You know, you may have gotten baptized in Jordan River, but I got baptized by Jesus. He didn't. John 4 tells us that his disciples did. But anyhow, so it just meant that his, his contingent were baptizing people. John, in verse 23, also was baptizing at Enon near Salem because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. So you got Jesus and his entourage baptizing people, and you got John and his group out baptizing people, and, and the, you know, crowds are coming out of the cities, and all kinds of things are going on. Okay, that's the backstory. Stage is set. Verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples. They kind of started this one, it sounds like, and a Jew. He was not a follower of Jesus or of John, but John's disciples began this discussion over purification. That was a big topic of the day. How can you be pure? God, in the Old Testament, that's what all the laws are all about. You people are impure, and only God can make you pure. You're sinners. You're messed up. You've got, you've got you know, uh, problems in your life, and only God can remove those things. So that was the conversation, the topic of the day. And then John's disciples came back in verse 26, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness. You remember that guy, that Jesus, who was with you and you talked big things about him? You bore witness about him? He's, look, like he's baptizing and all are going to him. By the way, whenever you and I talk in absolutes, you know, everybody's going there. It, it, we should have a, like a radar should go off in our head. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm puffing, I'm making this bigger than it really is. Everybody was not following Jesus. They're feeling threatened. They're beginning to despair. They're talking to John like, John, he was with us. He was on our team. Now he's got his own team. And people are leaving us and they're going over there. And why is he so popular and... All this stuff is going on. John answered in verse 27, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Boy, that verse ought to sink into our lives, folks. When you and I start comparing our lives to other people and other things, why do they have, why do they get this, why that? Why? Nobody gets one thing in this life unless the God of heaven gives it to them. When you and I start having problems with that, what we see with other people, actually we have a problem with God in heaven. We're like, God, why are you doing that? And we're questioning Him. Nobody is given one thing except unless it's given Him from heaven. And verse 28, he, helped, he goes on to help him. He's like, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, like, don't you remember what I said? 
I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the chosen one, the Son of God. But I've been sent before Him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus is the groom. He's the one gathering His bride. I'm not that guy. The friend of the bridegroom, that's me. I'm just a friend who stands and hears Him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John said, what are you guys so bothered about? This is good. I'm glad Jesus is here. I'm glad that He's gathering people. I love the fact that He's teaching. I love. I'm just a friend. Nobody gets excited. I'm sorry for those of you that like being in wedding parties, but nobody cares about you. It's all about, I even tell the guys usually, and if I've done your wedding, you'll know it. I always tell the guys, like the groomsmen, all that, like nobody cares about you guys. I mean, just to be honest with you, they want to see the bride. They want to see their other ladies. This is not about you. Just go along. You're just like, you know, like when you buy a bouquet of flowers, you're just like the leaves in the background. That's all. People buy it for the flower, and that's all that you guys are. John's like, I'm just that guy. I'm just a friend. Jesus is one it's all about. In fact, those disciples of John at that moment should have said, oh, we need to leave you too and go follow Jesus. Jesus is Messiah. Four reasons this morning why you and I should listen to Jesus only. Number one, Jesus only is the Messiah. He only is the Savior. He alone is the one sent from God. He alone is the, the one who comes with that authority. He alone is the one that should be lifted up. He alone is the one to be followed and the one to listen to. You see, John's disciples, they, they were comparing themselves and they were beginning, their insecurity was cropping up. They're like, their pride was beginning to show like, hey, they're more popular than we are. Like, if they're being really good and people are going over there, that means we're losing. We're losing influence. We're losing opportunity. We don't look so good. And they're, they're comparing themselves with Jesus. They're threatened. They feel like somebody else is getting all the good. Somebody else is getting all the benefits. Somebody else is getting the perks. Somebody else is getting raised up and getting the accolades. And therefore... They are not. And John pretty clearly says, don't you guys get it? This is a good thing. So for you and for me, when you and I begin to feel insecure in life, it's because we have forgotten exactly who the Messiah really is. And we have forgotten what our relationship is to him. You see, John wasn't insecure because he knew Jesus was a Savior and he knew he was not. Have you ever noticed in the last few chapters of John, people are asking him, John the Baptist, who are you? I'm just a voice. I'm just a guy hanging out in the wilderness trying to help the Messiah. I'm just a friend. John, in essence, is saying, I'm a nobody. I'm nobody special. I'm just a friend. Folks, this guy could have risen up. Well, I'm Jesus' right-hand man. I'm the guy. He could have been lifting himself up, but he, because he was secure in who Jesus was, and because he was secure in his relationship to Jesus, he didn't feel threatened. He didn't feel like he was losing anything. He didn't have any problems whatsoever. Have you ever felt the need to kind of 
defend yourself and act a little bigger and more accomplished just because you get around somebody that's successful or somebody that you know has accomplished something, something that you want. Be careful. When you do that, your insecurity is showing, and actually what it's showing is, is you are trying to make more of yourself rather than more of Jesus. When you and I realize that we're just nobodies and we accept that in life, in our workplace, when we accept that in our neighborhoods, when we accept that as, we, as our function of life, we don't try to puff up and make ourselves big next to somebody else. We're not threatened. We don't become jealous and insecure when others seem to be successful in gaining and accomplishing. We don't, we don't get into those office jealousies or that workplace. Why are they getting promoted? Why not me? And all of that because we realize... We're just a nobody, nothing. And that only people only get things if the God of heaven somehow has deemed it so and made that in reality. You see, when we begin feeling threatened like that, we begin to despair. Our jealousy comes out. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we're offended. Who do they think they are? Don't they know who I am? So in reality... Sometimes when we have jealousy issues and worry issues and, and anger issues, we really don't have those as much as we have ego issues. Underneath those things is because we're too busy trying to be something. When God says, you don't need to be that. I'm the something. And you are something because you are my child. You are in relationship to me. I've noticed over the years it can be in any kind of discipline. It can, it can be in anything. I've never, I'm not a quilter. I don't know anything about making quilts. I don't even know the difference between, like, that stuff you do with yarn. Or, you know, all of that stuff I see sometimes you ladies do. I don't know anything about that. So in every discipline, I don't care what it is, I, I would know more about guy things or sports things. When you know you're phenomenal in an area, you don't need to go around telling everybody that. It just, it is. If you know you're stronger than the other guy, you don't need to go prove it. And if they start talking smack, you don't have to show anything. You see, when Jesus really is the guy, and we're following him, we don't ever need to try to be the guy. And our security is simply found in our relationship with him. You see, oftentimes in relationships between couples and other things, it isn't so much that that other person just that offended us. It's just that we have an overall attitude in life where our ego is bigger than it ought to be. And the best way to deal with that ego is to realize, Lord Jesus, you're everything and I'm nothing. And when we live that way, all that stuff begins to roll off our back and doesn't matter because it's enough for us that we're friends with Jesus and He's our Savior. So first thing, for you and for me, we should listen to Jesus. He alone is the Messiah. He alone is the Savior. And because of that, we should follow Him. And as we follow Him, we know that everything's good and we're nothing in comparison to Him. Second thing I want you to notice, not only do we listen to Jesus because He is the Messiah, we listen to Him because He alone is from heaven. In verse 31, the Bible says this, He who comes from above is above all. Jesus came from above. He came from heaven, which means He's in charge of everything. He is above everything. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks 
in an earthly way, but he who comes from heaven is above all. John is telling us right now, he says, guys, when Jesus came to this earth, he intrinsically, he came from heaven. That's his birthplace. You know how often when you meet somebody, so where are you from? You know, where'd you live? Kind of what's your background, that kind of thing. Only Jesus can walk in and say, where are you from? I'm from heaven. To where I was born. Yeah, I really wasn't born. I've always, I'm from heaven. Everybody else is from the earth. Everybody else is of this earth. Everybody else only can talk about this earth because that's all they've known. Only Jesus can come down and represent God on this earth and explain to us the things of God. There have been so many religious leaders down through the, the centuries, the millennia, and people that are gurus and great people or whatever, but only Jesus came from heaven. Everybody else just talks about the things of this earth. They're only experts in the things that are here. I go to an expert when my car needs to be fixed because I'm not a car expert. I need to go to them. Jesus, if we want to know the things of God, if we want to know the things of heaven, then we go to him because he alone came from heaven. He alone has that kind of miraculous birth. Oh, there are some other miraculous births people that were born miraculously. John the Baptist was one. Uh, Zechariah, his father and his mother Elizabeth were beyond an age where they could have kids. And God supernaturally brought him into being. But he was still just of this earth. Only Jesus was born supernaturally of God and of and of. Of Mary. Only he was born in this world without sin because he came from God. He was without sin, the Bible says. Now, we don't know exactly how that all worked. Some theologians, because God didn't take time to explain it to us, some theologians have, have hypothesized, and we don't really know, like, oh, it really is the guy's fault. Like sin comes through the male blood, the male side. You know, how could a person be fully a, born of a woman without sin? So, well, it must be that the sin DNA gene, whatever, comes from guys. You know, that's how you know the XY chromosome thing. You guys track with me? I had enough of that in science and background. But God somehow supernaturally, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how that all works. But Jesus came, born of heaven and came born on this earth so that he could be the mediator between people and God together. Now, have you heard of the term immaculate conception? Have you heard of that before? A lot of people get confused by that. You do know that doesn't refer to Jesus' birth, right? Immaculate conception actually refers to Mary's birth. And it was a teaching that, that happened in one branch of the church, a major branch of the, the Christian church, that in the Middle Ages began to be talked about. And it wasn't actually ratified until like the mid-1800s. So, so think about this with me. The idea that Mary, when she was born in this world, didn't have sin, and the idea was continued that she never sinned. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, but the whole deal, the whole thing with Mary is, is that the church kind of fell into it, trying to prove that Jesus was something special. And so to prove that Jesus was something special, they wanted to make Mary something special. But Mary was an average person. Any of the special stuff that came because of Jesus came from heaven, that he was from heaven born to this earth. There's nothing of this earth that's anything special. 
To be real honest with you, the idea that Mary was born without sin is actually, uh, it's actually offensive to Jesus. He alone was the one that didn't have sin. He alone is the one that's special. By the way, Luke 1, when we read about Mary, she actually refers to Jesus as God her Savior. Who needs a Savior? Somebody who needs salvation. Who needs salvation? Somebody who is a sinner. Mary claimed to be a sinner. And when we read all through the Bible, she has never lifted up anywhere as anything special. In fact, we see the opposite. She's just an average, ordinary woman who God did something in her, inside of her. The special came from heaven, that Jesus alone came from heaven to this earth. The only thing that we should be looking to the only one is to Jesus. He alone can explain to us the hangs of heaven. He alone is the one that we should listen to in our life. That means that we you and I need to be careful not to look to other people in our lives. That means we need to be careful not to lift other pastors or other leaders or other heroes and put them up on pedestals that only Jesus can really explain to us the things of heaven because the only thing the rest of us on this earth have, our experiences, is just of this world. And it's a mess. We can't even begin to unpack and understand the things of God. Only Jesus intrinsically brought that down in and of himself. Only Jesus can, every time he spoke, only spoke the things of God. Every time he spoke, he spoke things that were true. Everybody else that you and I listen to, that's not a reality. There's plenty of things in my world you should not listen to. Like even last week, the, when I got a little, you, you remember the whole snake on the pole thing? A couple of you came up to me after, like, yeah, Sean, that has nothing to do with, with Christianity. That's actually like Greek or whatever mythology. You shouldn't always listen to everything that I say. Just like I shouldn't listen to my mechanic about porcupines, you shouldn't listen to a bunch of stuff I say. But we should, whenever you hear somebody teaching the things that you read in the Bible, that's when you should pay attention. Third thing, not only should we listen to Jesus because He's the Messiah, not only should we listen to Jesus only because He came from heaven of Himself, nobody on this earth can claim this, only He is the one that came down, and we should really focus and fixate on that to learn all the things of God from Him. But only Jesus speaks the words of God in and of Himself. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 32. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony, the Bible's not contradicting itself, but whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. What the Bible is saying is nobody in and of themselves actually accepts it. Like Jesus' message is so out of this world that nobody can figure it out in and of themselves. Nobody's smart enough. They can't sit down and figure it out and rationalize it. And it's like, oh yeah, I was smart enough to figure this out. God has to do something in their life to receive this. Remember we talked about last week that, that you have to be born again. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, how come you don't get this? That yes, you need something in your life. You're following all these religious traditions, but the whole thing is missing. You need the Holy Spirit of God to come make you alive. So nobody can receive this testimony that Jesus came unless the God the Holy Spirit is working inside of them and making him alive. And in verse 34, he says, For whom God has sent 
utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. We should listen to Jesus only because only Jesus speaks the words of God every time he opens his mouth, as I said a moment ago. Only Jesus, everything that he says is 100% true. He speaks of his experiences. He speaks of what he knows. I was a little trivia about me. I was born, if you look at my birth certificate, I was born in West Germany. I don't, I don't know how that all works. West Germany doesn't exist anymore. It's when East and West were separated back and all of that time. So my dad was in the Navy and, and my mom was there with him and, and living in Bremer, the city of Bremerhaven, in Germany. And, um, but, and, and I only lived there a year. And it's funny when people ask where you're from and all that, oftentimes people say, oh, do you speak German? And I'm like, no, I lived there a year. Like, I, I don't remember anything. Can you remember anything from when you were a year old? Like, you didn't know anything. I cannot begin to speak of my experiences in Germany. I don't remember, and they were so limited. I probably never even left the apartment in the hospital. It was probably about as far as I got. Uh, maybe the store, I guess, at that age. You see, Jesus came, and he speaks what he actually experienced in heaven. You and I trust each other when we know that other person is speaking out of their experiences and what they know and what they've gone through in life. Only Jesus, out of the overflow of what He experienced from all of eternity in the past as the Son of God, can we trust everything that He tells us. Only He has those kinds of words. You see, we have to be careful because in, throughout the centuries, people have always added words to God's words. People have always changed those. People have always been thinking that they could figure things out and smarter than that. That's part of the, what I talked about a minute ago, the Immaculate Conception. Think about that. So here's a big teaching in a church that really didn't get fully accepted till over 18, 1,800 years after Jesus was alive. And it's a bunch of people sitting around and logically talking about things. You think you're going to get something a little messed up when you decide something 1,800 years later after the fact? I think so. You see, churches have been notorious for putting more into traditions than they have the Word of God. And only, we, we add, have so many things that have been added over the centuries that churches do and rely on and act like they're truth. But what John is telling us is cutting through all of the religiousness, all of the stuff of life, and is saying, look, we don't, we don't want to follow traditions that have been created by people. We don't want to follow teachings that were created thousands of years later after Jesus, we just want to listen and follow the words of Jesus. Sometimes people ask, Sean, how come River doesn't do hold to different things like Advent or, I don't know, different things like Lent or, or other traditions and those kinds of things? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with Advent. Some of you probably, you guys probably at home follows we're headed into the Christmas season soon, you know, follow that. And that's certainly okay. But I, I will say this, the, the very simple reason why we don't do a lot of the traditional things is because the church historically has added so much tradition 
that that tradition begins to take the place of the simple, clear teaching of Jesus and begins to compete. And at the end of the day, we want things to be about Jesus more than that. And for some, it's confusing. For some, it, 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 those things mean more to them than Jesus. And so our tradition, can traditions be helpful? You bet, as long as they're kept in the area of tradition. My, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Our tradition experiences, we always have turkey on Thanksgiving. That's a tradition. It's not bad. But no one in our family is looking to that tradition to somehow have a spiritual meaning. And when traditions begin to take on spiritual meaning and implications in our life, as a pastor, I get very careful because those things become very confusing to people who think that there's more going on there. And, and oftentimes those traditions become a law that people feel like they're a bad person if they don't do those traditions. And the Bible and the New Testament, guys, sets us free from all of those laws. The only thing we need is Jesus. He died on our cross to save us from our sins. We trust that. And we're free from that stuff. So there's things that we might do even traditionally as a church. I mean, traditionally, we come and we sing songs every Sunday and we sit in the chairs just so. In the last few years, we've done Operation Christmas Child. But none of us are attaching spiritual salvation things to those things. None of us are thinking those things are somehow helping our soul, you know, get better with God and all of that. And so as a church, we tend to be very careful when it comes to traditions and we tend to do nothing to put no credence in any kind of teaching of people, traditions, anything that even comes close to competing with Jesus because it's really all about Him. So for you and for me, you need to go back and look at not only who your heroes are, but look to where what you're relying upon. You know, that can be, if you've grown up in a, tr a church traditional background that had lots of traditions and lots of religious meanings put into all of those things, it can be a little unnerving, a little like, almost like a stripped down, you know, it's almost like going from driving a really fancy car to almost just one, like a little econobox, you know, a little four-cylinder thing that, you know, barely has a radio, just like, oh, what, is this really? But what happens is, is over time, we put more meaning into that stuff than God ever intended us to be. So we really try to be lean and mean, guys. And there's some even there's good churches that are relying on a lot of church traditions and things. And we just, for us, for the last 2,000 years, I, we just jumped past all of that tradition. Like, what did Jesus teach and do? What does the Bible say? And we just do that. And I don't, I don't worry about what happened in the Protestant Reformation. We don't worry about what happened in all of these centuries through. Is it interesting? Yes. We read it? Yeah. Are we aware of it? Yes. But when it comes to our life, what we believe and what we do, we go past all of that just to the Bible. That's all that we rely on. Because everything else is of this earth. Everything else is what we people have added to and we sprinkled a little into what Jesus said and did and we add and we try to figure things out and it's never good when that happens. You see, the Bible for us is sufficient. We don't need to do or add more things to make it sufficient. The questions that it answers are enough. Now, the Bible doesn't answer every question in life. There's three things that it doesn't answer. It doesn't answer a lot of the practical things you need. You can't turn to a book and chapter and verse to how to fix the plumbing in your house. It'd be nice. But I recommend that you know you YouTube something or hire a plumber better, you know, to be honest with you. 
Bible doesn't try to answer practical things. It doesn't answer specific things. It won't tell you whether or not you should move to Albuquerque or whether or not you should marry a certain person or whether or not you should buy that car or that home. It won't tell you those specific things. It will, it does tell you how to know God and how to follow Him, and it does teach you how to listen to God's wisdom and follow Him in, in all of those things of life. But it never says, you know, I'm going to give you every little answer that you need. The other thing it doesn't do is it doesn't answer all of the mysteries of life. It doesn't do that. It doesn't answer all of the intricacies, just in other words, of how in the world do we not have... It was Jesus, was it possible for Him to be without sin? It doesn't tell us how all of that DNA and genetic and sin and how that worked with the Holy Spirit and Mary. It leaves it a bit of a mystery. And so often, and even in modern good churches, they try to explain things and theologies that God didn't try to explain. And we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus need to say, you know what? God didn't explain it. So I'm not going to try to because I'm just of this world. How in the world could I explain something that only God could explain? And by the way, why should it be so important to me to explain something when God didn't think it was important enough for, to explain it? So I'm, it's kind of like me doing God's job for Him. So at the end of the day, we listen to Jesus and Jesus only because He's the Messiah. He only is from God. Only His words and, and the words that are inspired by God that we find in the Bible can we really trust in. And we need to be careful about whether it's theologians, whether it's church history, whether it's all of those things, to not put stock in that, but only in what our God said. Fourth thing, and I'm done. We should listen to Jesus and Jesus only because He alone gives eternal life. In verse 35, the Father loves the Son, loves Him in a way different than you and me, than He loves you and me. And He has given all things into His hand, all authority, all things. Now, what, if he, what specifically is John trying to tell us he gives him just into his hand? Verse 36, it's eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's what is with the God. He is, has eternal life, and He gives it to you and me when we believe in His Son. But whoever, and here's a warning, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We should look to Jesus and listen to Him because He alone gives eternal life. Notice that eternal life is not something that we get once we die. It's something we have now. The Bible says who believes in the Son has eternal life. Not will have, not in the future, but right now has eternal life. See, life eternal isn't just mean living forever. There's a quality of life. It's life that we have with God. It's life abundantly on this earth. It's life experiencing the blessing of God and salvation and what it means to live in that relationship with Him. It's life where we have broken through, that really God has broken through that sin barrier. And He forgives us and He saves us and He makes us His friend that we sing about, that we sing about just earlier and we become a, a follower of His. It's that life that we experience today, the rest of our life, that continues after we die and that we experience physically anew more powerfully because our bodies are, are made new and all of that on into, into eternity. And when we follow Jesus and we look to Him, and we've listened to what He has said, and we've responded and acted in that. That's what it means when we obey Him. 
then he gives to us eternal life. You see that? Believing and obeying. You see those two things in that verse. It's believing to the point that you surrender your life and are obeying that. You've turned to him. John in 112 used another word that we talked about when we just first started this series. That Jesus said, as many as received him, or excuse me, John said, talking about Jesus, as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to them who believe on his name. You see, believing and receiving are together. It's a belief to the point in which we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, and there's a surrendering in our heart below Him. Think about it this way. How do you, how do you really believe in Jesus? It's more than just a, something that you think you're okay with Jesus and everything's good. It's a you submitting and surrendering yourself to Him and receiving His salvation for your sin, receiving Him personally as that, that payment for sin in your life. Think about it this way. I know we don't write a lot of checks these days. How many of you still have a checkbook? I'm actually kind of curious. Okay. Some of you write like a check once a month. I mean, just like almost never. You know, I, it just, the world we live in, I don't carry cash. I just, it's not my thing. Actually, it's better if I don't because I tend to, I tend to spend it if I did. It would just, oh, I got money, you know. My wife would be looking at me like, no, we don't have money. What do you mean? Just stop. Cut it out. So it's better if I don't have it in my pocket. But think about it. When somebody writes you a check and they put, say it's $1,000 and your name is on the check and they've signed it and they hand it to you, you've, you've received it, but you've not yet appropriated it for your account. Until you endorse it, until you sign the back of it, in theory, that check is worthless. Only when you sign the back of it can you give it to the bank or whomever to then receive the benefit of that? Only at that point does the bank acknowledge, oh yes, you have endorsed this and you're accepting the results of this, those payments, onto your account. You see, somebody else paid for it and somebody else is giving it to you, but you must endorse it. That's very much what Jesus is talking to us about and what John's talking about and what the Bible's talking about. You see, Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins. He paid in His blood to write us a check that would cover all of our sin debt before God. And He died for us. And He rose again on the third day. And He, he in essence, hands us a check. But you and I must receive it. We must accept it, and we must believe that what's on that check is good, right? If somebody hands you a check that you know is going to bounce, you don't cash it. You don't put it in the bank because you're going to get stuck paying a fee, and your bank's going to be like, what are you doing taking bad checks and all of that whole mess, right? So when you and I receive what Jesus did on the cross through His blood, dying for our sins, when you and I, in essence, are endorsing it, it's you and I believing that what He did for us is what saves us from our sins. And all we do is simply say, God, I want to receive the benefit of that. That's what happens when somebody writes you a check. You just say, thank you. They paid for it. They write a check. You endorse it and receive it, and you get the benefit, the exact same thing. You see, 
We should only listen to Jesus because only Jesus gives us eternal life. People promise all kinds of things, folks, but nobody can give us eternal life. That comes from God alone. People promise to tell us truth, but only God is true. People promise to tell us things that are right, and in the middle of sometimes being right, they're sometimes wrong. And they're making a mess in lives all about us. Today, there's more noise in the world through, through media and friends and all of that and just all kinds of crazy things and ideas swirling about life. And the only one that I know of that we can depend on 100% of time, 100% of the time is, is Jesus. And what God's Word says to us from Genesis to Revelation that alone we can depend on. And that alone is true. So some of you this morning need to take stock in that because Jesus is the Messiah, you and I don't need to try to be somebody. We need to get really comfortable in this world being nobodies. Because I'd rather be a nobody to the world and a somebody to Jesus than I would be trying to be a somebody in this world. And the sooner that you and I realize that, the sooner we become secure, we become nicer people. We aren't as much of a, trying to make our way into this and become prideful. The pride that we don't see, that everybody else sees, and all of that just goes away. Because you know what? I don't need to be somebody. Jesus is somebody for me. And it's enough that I'm his friend. Some of you this morning need to think about that. Some of you this morning need to think about you putting too much stock in other people or past people who've died. And only Jesus is the one worth lifting up, folks. He alone's our hero. And only His words should we trust. Too often we, we base what we want to do and spiritually on past traditions, and we struggle with all of those things. But the Bible tells us that only His words can we listen to. Everybody else's traditions and things we create, they're not reliable. We need to base our life only on God's Word and only on Jesus. And as some of you this morning need to simply endorse that check that Jesus sent His Son, or God sent His Son Jesus, excuse me, to die for us. And He stuck the, he stuck the check in your hand in essence. It's like if you're hearing this this morning, which you all are, and He's told you that he's died on the cross and paid for that, that the check is good. All thing that's got to happen is in your life is that you have to be willing. You have to surrender to the Lord Jesus. In essence, sign your name and say, I accept what you paid for to forgive me of my sins. Not any religious thing in the past, not anything that I've done, not any of those things that I look to but only Jesus. Some of you this morning need to just take that simple step of faith to surrender your life to Jesus and receive Him as Lord and Savior. Well, Sean, how do we do that? It's very simple. Tell Jesus, tell God that you want Jesus, you want to accept His forgiveness of your sin, and you want Him to change you, and you want Him to be in charge of your life. There's no special words you got to say. You just want Him to be in control and to forgive you. That's all. That's all. No 
words that anybody needs to pray for you or to put in your heart or in your, mi- your mind or your mouth. Just simply those things. So as our music worship team comes up and leads us in this response, which one of those things is for you? Which one of those things is God speaking to you? Sean, I don't know if any of those really hit me exactly where I am. That's okay. Then during this prayer time, maybe even as we sing, pray for the other people in the room that God is talking to. So let's pray, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can trust him completely. Lord, in a world with all kinds of theories and all kinds of personalities and all kinds of stuff that we all have just learned that you've got to be skeptical and cynical just to navigate and not believe things that are lies and base your life on crazy stuff. Lord, it can be difficult when it comes to religious things, spiritual things, to know who to really listen to. Father, I'm grateful that John cut through all of that, that there's no church, there's no religion, no denomination, no person that can claim what Jesus claims to be from heaven to this earth, to speak to us truth that we can rely on 100% of the time. Father, I pray for those this morning that need to rely on Jesus. Lord, I pray that somehow that this morning's message would help strip away other things that they have put their faith in and, and have put on par with Jesus. He alone is a Savior. He alone is from heaven. He alone speaks truth 100% of the time. Father, thank you that we can trust Him in your word completely. And Father, finally, I pray for those that just simply need to sign that blank check, in essence, cash it in. Father, help them to just, with the simple truth of trusting you, surrendering their life to you as Lord, to receive all that you did for them on the cross. Father, I lift them especially to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.